Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. Welcome to Tactical Permaculture Episode 7. This is Banking on Rain with Swaling, Ponding, and Tankage. Originally published October 2nd, 2022. So this week, finally, the temperature has um, gotten to a point where I can put in a couple of shifts per day, pretty much around, well, just early morning. And so dawn and dusk, for the most part, put in a couple hours each of... um, hand digging swales and ponds and doing micro earthworks by hand to um, prepare for the the winter rains assuming and having this been the first um well there were there were some summer rains but uh not the the epic rain events that uh, you're supposed to design for as per the permaculture design course you know designing in a desert you're designing for a flood and not just well not just the uh, cyclical floods that can take decades to to cycle through but uh, just the, the fact that um, there's so little organic matter in the landscape and um just the the because of the the nature of the climate there's just a massive downpour usually in um a small number of of very very epic rain events and so unlike in a temperate climate for example growing up in the northwest there were storms of course but the general precipitation was so mild and light you almost didn't need an umbrella and it was just um almost a mist you know almost a fine mist of course overcast most of the time and just plenty of moisture for life to grow on the ground and in the forest so it was a very wooded very forested area despite civilization being there it's very very green cities up there but um just so much life that uh there's inherent erosion control and therefore except for the you know massive extreme rain events that um cause massive sheet flows and flash floods and whatnot it's just it's a totally different um different equation in the uh in desert regions and uh where i'm at luckily i wouldn't say i'm on high ground but i'm not at the lowest point 
And so I get to do the fun part, one of the funnest parts of permaculture, which is uh, do your best to uh, be like a, be an investigator, like Sherlock Holmes, like reading the landscape, being literate uh, with tools and with your intuition and with your experience, being able to see obvious things like where is, where are, where in massive rain events, where water is collecting, where is it carving into the landscape, making gullies and little channels and dry creek beds and stuff like that. Um, obviously, there's no year-round running water where I'm at, but there are, on my property, there are a number of very distinct flow patterns and uh so far since i've been here over six months now the rain that's the the rain that has happened has not been such that uh it's caused there to be a, a steady flow over those um over those dry beds so I have to worry and ho- and wonder and fear that uh, fear two things one <laughs> not enough and one too much, you know. It reminds me of uh, being in this band and uh, <laughs> we did a lot of our own promotion and we we you know we would book clubs with uh, with a promise that we could pack the place, you know. So <laughs> we put it on ourselves to um, to do a lot of the promo and the street teaming and stuff and. Uh, and so somebody asked us at one of the shows, they're like, hey, uh, it looks like a lot of people are showing up. Are you gonna, Are you nervous? And we're like, no, we'd be more nervous if, if nobody was, if there weren't people showing up. And uh, so it's funny, it was counterintuitive, but it makes me think about, um, I'm, yeah, I should be worried that, uh, that, and if there's if there's if there's flooding happening all over the world right now, and I don't know if it's just if I'm biased now because I'm reading more climate news, but um, definitely seems like uh, global. And this was said in the the Jeff Lawton, Bill Mollison, PDC that uh, yeah, the effects of climate change. One of one of the obvious things is that. It's not just sporadic, disconnected, extreme um, weather events that there'll be extreme heat, extreme cold, extreme um, weather, extreme rain, etc., flooding, storms, all the different types of um, natural disasters basically happening in, in, in sort of a synchronistic or a synchronized way around the globe, which is very interesting and something I don't know hardly enough about. But I definitely feel like um, I'm wondering what's going to happen to me if there's major... There's been a few flash flood warnings, uh, and I've seen some some very fucking hardcore clouds in the sky, lots of lightning. and But so far, the periods of downpour, I mean, real, not just, you know, light showers, but real downpours, they've... Uh, they haven't lasted more than a few hours so you know i have yet to experience from this position what an extreme event could be however given the fact that where i'm located for my for my dwelling shall we say uh, or my camp basically it's in between 
various systems of uh, dry creek beds that are very shallow and just uh, just distinct because they're compacted and there's no nothing growing in them. There's uh, and there's no activity of the critters like digging holes within it, which shows me that it's it's got more of a um, it's more compacted and uh, and and just which is well defined and so now the strategy is for a from the slow sink and spread permaculture design philosophy of um capturing the energy and the and the the resource of water in the landscape while it is on within the boundaries of your property and increasing the amount of duties that it has while before it it's either lost to evaporation or transpiration through the plants that that take it up that you've planted or gravity pulls it below ground to a point where it's no longer useful to you and therefore it runs off underground to to the end of to the edge of the of the property boundary so the the main strategy so yeah considering that basically you have the boundaries of your property and the game with water is that uh, if you don't want to be poisoning the landscape and poisoning yourself by piping it in um, from from municipal supplies, then then if you can capture even in the desert, even if it's only one, two, or three days of rain rain events where the majority of the rain you're going to get the whole year are going to happen. If you could only capture enough of that rain during those scarce few opportunities you have to hold you over until the next year, then it, then that's then the drought can be obviously buffered, and it's like the pressure is totally different if you can't take for granted that you're going to have steady steady rains that's a very um it's a privilege <laughs> to be in a temperate client a temperate climate or a tropical climate where it's humid versus a dry climate where it's going to be arid and you're going to have just baking heat in various degrees <laughs> from just killing everything that isn't super well hydrated and well shaded and buffered from the wind um it's harsh. I mean, it's it's harsh, and so trying to bootstrap a forest ecology, trying to bootstrap um, soil building, soil biology, it's um, it's rough. And uh, there wasn't much I could do for many, many months, just basically trying to stay alive and not. Not, and literally <laughs> trying to stay sane and stay alive and uh and and always be humbled to a point where I didn't venture off much I didn't exert myself much I didn't want to risk the liability to myself to my finances you know to my cause of lone wolfing something in the, in the summer heat and then just ending up fucking dead there was so not only was it very limiting um, in terms of what I what I felt like I could do, but also 
it was extremely humbling and uh and so now the idea of <laughs> what was cool for me was that uh, it stole my manhood for sure to, to be like i'm this tough guy you know beast mode landscaper you know designer i can build i can design i'm always out there doing this stuff like never before this year was i literally like forced into being laid up fetal for like months you know i mean <laughs> almost i could do some yoga i could stretch i could sometimes do a little bit of dancing but um but even there were times where the nights it was so hot i couldn't even i couldn't dance at night i couldn't um do anything that i would normally do to be in permaculture landscaping gardening beast mode during the day and then dancing at night like that all that stuff from the coastal california more more uh, forgiving climate that was all gone and it was just hoping to make it to now where now it's the perfect time the perfect weather it's not yet cold at night i only barely have to put on a blanket you know early early in the morning i'll go to sleep without a blanket i'll wake up and and often want to wrap myself up you know for just a couple hours and then that's it it goes back to being warm but this is <laughs> i didn't know if this was ever going to come again i don't know if i was going to make it to see this point but this is a beautiful time and so i'm pleased to say that my manhood has returned and like clockwork as soon as it wasn't literally like debilitating heat the moment the sun came up I've been able to work for a couple of hours and there's a cooler breeze, you know, even though the sun is up, um, even if I'm working up a sweat, it's just, it's tolerable. It's, it's, it's just amazing having gone through this summer and having lost the memory almost of what it was like to be able to just function and get shit done and exert myself and, and build and, and not be just hiding in, in, little pockets of shade and and uh and only being able to do anything when there was major cloud cover and just trying to get a bunch of stuff done like oh shit the sun is blocked okay there's a list of things to do when the sun is blocked now fucking hurry up and do as much shit as you can because literally when those clouds are gone you're cooking again and you're stuck and you're fucking paralyzed so yeah it was harsh but um i'm happy to say now between the goal was the thought was that whole time like fuck i hope i have enough time i hope i'm alive and i have enough time between when i'm able to work again and when the inevitable rains come to where i can do the earth surgery to be uh maximizing the the um the the capture of that rainfall in the land in the in the the horticultural systems uh for irrigation and uh and also to be doing water storage tanks and gathering collecting rainwater in a very scaled up and efficient manner because it might not just be a hobby at some point where 
you know, as a survivalist prepper, you know, you you want to not be the one ending up in in the soup line, as it were, not begging and pleading for help from the outside. You want to be resilient and possibly ideally capable of not only taking care of you and yours, but also being a resource to those in need around you who may also not get... Um, support from the outside due to whatever scenario that is a normal predictable natural and human-made disasters situations that uh, put a strain on resources and make it so you you got to wait in line so not having to wait in line is an art and uh and so not because you were prepared in advance and you've been building systems of resilience and independence, you know, ahead of time. And uh, I have a lot of catching up to do relative to the state of the world. Like there's people who have been dug into their properties, their homesteads for for decades, waiting for the big one, you know, or, or the doomsday preppers. Or, or they just were smart, savvy people who wanted to go back to the land for no negative fear, fear-based reason at all. But... Uh, the, the scary and, and unfortunate thing now is that uh, a lot of things that were predicted or that were prophesized as far as, you know, the world being an unsafe place to where you're going to wish that you did more to be deeper off grid and just more topped off with your supplies and everything like there's people who would say the pressure is decreasing since you know the the toilet paper uh crisis of 2020 where people didn't know how hard the virus was going to hit or what it was going to do to the economy how bad and how long the lockdowns were going to last i mean now there is i think a, a false sense of security that's giving people um it's it's going it's it's the back to normalcy bias thing it's the normalcy bias thing and so for me personally I'm not trying to project this on anybody but i say to myself don't fuck around and don't don't gamble on the idea that you have a lot of extra time to figure everything out continue pace yourself is pace i gotta pace myself but i gotta continue to behave as though it is a state of emergency because if i had built out more of the infrastructure over the course of decades then it wouldn't feel like an emergency it wouldn't be the stakes wouldn't be that high but for me where i'm at off grid i've already gone without you know i lose power if i lose it's a it's a blackout if uh if there's no sun so obviously on solar off grid you know your batteries only last so long all your batteries and i'm definitely not i'm not gonna use a generator to me (laughs) i mean technically your vehicle if you have an inverter it is a generator so as much as you want to gamble with the life the lifespan of your alternator and there's people who would argue this in different ways but um you know, I have a generator. It's a vehicle. It is the engine of, of of the vehicles that I own. I don't believe I'm gonna want or need to have a generator where I'm just creating another source of of pollution. I'm not gonna say there's anything wrong with it, other than the obvious that is fossil fuels. But um, I kind of like the idea that 
if it's overcast, uh, then I do more reading and more self-pleasure and massage and uh, yoga and get get uh, a little bit beyond um, electronic lifestyle. I mean, for me, it's all lifestyle now. I don't rely on anything electrical for, for survival. I mean, my water filtration is mechanical and... Uh, it's just the electricity that's in my own body and try not to get hit by get hit by bolts of lightning but uh other than that you know it's a it's a treat when i can't turn on my computer or i can't charge things and maybe you know if i had to go a few days without having any charge uh if i needed to and i turn on the engine of a vehicle and i i charge up a phone for an emergency or whatever but um But back to the idea of the sense of urgency that I have to push myself to get water stored in the landscape to be able to more do more of what I've already been doing, which is slowly scaling up um, my my water my potable water storage capacity, which requires so far it's required one hundred percent importing the water from a city source and um and so bringing in barrels and and tanks and then figuring out the the drum pump situation which is very <laughs> it's it's a good workout um but it's it's kind of a the ergonomics of it are not always great and then figuring out the the uh aqua dynamics such that uh, I'm using gravity and uh and a siphon a siphon pump to make it a little more efficient to get water from storage tanks into uh, into the filtration, but uh, but the idea of every time I come back here and I set up longer durations of water storage capacity, the freer I feel, the more resilient, the more stabilized I feel, which is very important. The fr- I mean, the first time I came out here, I had maybe ten gallons, <laughs> and and then I got stuck, <laughs> and I and I had to call in for support from a friend to come and bring me, literally bring in water and bring in those uh, those um, they're, they're, there's different brand names for them, but uh, with my with my two wheel drive, I got stuck. I dug myself in deep. I tried to you know, save money and not buy anything synthetic and try to put wood planks and two by fours and four by fours and whatnot in to dig myself out of the sand, but it it was no use. It just shredded them up. And so, so yeah, with that two wheel drive, water ran out. It felt very vulnerable, but oh, the, the, I guess I'll yeah, just call them the um, traction boards is what they're called. They look like little little miniature body boards, kind of with track with um, some some uh, traction material on them, treading and whatnot, so that you stick them under your tires, dig them in under your under your stuck tires, under your spinning out tires, and then it literally uh, gives you this this uh, this enough traction for for a couple of feet or so to where you can get out of that rut um and uh had to use those a lot now 
with a four by four with a four by four that's a, a full size truck uh, I can haul quite a bit more water I can load up way bigger capacity tanks and and drums and uh, you know I'm trying to convince myself that it's um, I'm I'm pushing myself towards a scenario where I just go back and forth many multiple times accept the expense and just literally literally import here what I need to make it for more than just three months at a time but at least six months if not more and then have the systems in place to where as those get depleted when it rains I'm able to top them off without having to go out and get them I mean ideally the, the ideal scenario is that you put up the money you put in the effort you do the design and you are always situated to have an extended period where if you can't or do not want to interface with the outside world because of a pandemic contagion or because of political social unrest issues or because of any other because of a personal financial collapse whatever it, whatever it might be the the threat probability matrix if you will um it's likely that shit will hit your fan more more than it will hit everyone's fan at the same time. And so the common denominator is just days forward of calories and and water supply. And that also goes for if you're homesteading and growing stuff in a dry climate, you know. It's it's a it, it, when you're thinking about uh for me every drop of water I put on even the tiniest garden that I'm trying to make out here that's to survive the heat you know I'm thinking I'm I'm watching the days be evaporated literally from like just living off of stored food and having water to drink so so it's you know it's not a perfect um it's not a perfectly efficient system to water soil for plants to grow in I mean there's ways to optimize it which I'm relatively skilled in um just minimizing evaporation and transpiration is what it's about but uh but anyway i think what is happening is that uh, at this point checking in on the state of this well beautiful transition for me between the deadly heat and the bitter cold this is a very sweet sweet time to really uh enjoy and also really get a lot of work done um digging the trenches basically the uh they're called swales they're ditches on contour on contour that uh allow for water flowing not just capturing the rain straight above but but the the sheet flows of water that would have just um float across the surface and gone from you know the top of your property to the bottom of your property and a bit a little bit off to the sides um without even hitting a speed bump so the the least that can be done the, the, the or the, the most um the, the laziest thing you could do is to just 
some people will create rock walls and little they call them check dams um but but uh just putting a speed bump of of rocks on the flow of water will will it's not going to be like a dam for it to build up you know a, a wall on the a wall of water along the wall along the rocks they're they're the water flows through them but it slows down the rate and so for therefore it decreases the amount of erosion the forcefulness of erosion and then some amount of water will percolate into the ground more than would have otherwise but then the less lazy and more strategic and more labor intensive approach is to dig ditches out at um there's different scales and sizes depending on what you're trying to achieve uh but uh Jeff Lawton says the smallest he's done for the most part are are swales that are about the width to comfortably to comfortably uh push a, a wheelbarrow through so a couple three feet wide um and uh various various uh ratios that I've heard on on, on the depth to width um so I'm not going to say there's a rule of thumb on that. If, but I will say, <laughs> the idea is, it's like an. an well, it's, there are speed. Yeah, it's like there's speed, there are speed bumps in cities where instead of a bump, it's actually, it, it's actually a depression. So it's a concave uh, thing. So in this case, for the, the for the idea of slowing down, s- slowing, spreading, and sinking water. I've got three dimensions, three factors that I'm designing for. One is the rain that comes straight down. And for that, it's all about funneling, creating extensive and massive means to funnel that. Right now I've got uh I've got my tin roofs and that's designed to you know, for the footprint of my dwelling to funnel that water into tanks, rain barrels with uh, rain chains and bamboo. It's it's it, it's very very cute, <laughs> very quaint. What it, you know what the way it's set up, and it, there is a I have done the testing of the proof of concept, but that was basically a trickle. So I can't. I, so I don't know yet how many gallons in a in a major downpour I'm going to be able to to collect. How so? So the 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 water from above, it's going to be some iterations and some calculations and some um, trial and error to figure out how much I gotta spend and how much I gotta build in order to. I mean, obviously, I tell myself, I mean, <laughs> you know, it would be so. I mean, can I excuse myself? Can I forgive myself for not really? capturing as much surface area of rain as possible into tanks but the reality is i mean it just gets so costly at a, at a certain point you're better off just bringing the water in so trying to work out that math of um you know but maybe that water you don't want to bring it in maybe it, <laughs> there's reasons to not feel good about it or or the the price of gas to bring it in you know, is prohibitive. So I really do, again, want to pressure myself to say, don't, 
don't take the vaccines or the um the the easing of restrictions and the back to normalness like as a as an excuse to become complacent and to not do what you know you would like i would like to have okay i have property (laughs) i don't want to wait 10 years to have it be like what it would have been if i would have been here 10 years ago i want to safely pace myself but if, if, if it's a matter of investing the money then then so be it and how can i do that intelligently but the worst thing that could happen is that for me to be where i'm at and for the world to get worse and for me to only have a month of water stored and and it's not going to rain again or it doesn't rain when i thought it was going to rain or when it rains i didn't know whether my rain catchment was going to be as efficient as i thought and so it's going to be about waiting for some major downpours testing out some some proof of concept designs and then once i have that data going out and hopefully it works so well and everything works so well that uh that all i have to do is just scale up that model i don't have to like go back to the drawing board and reinvent something so i'll i'll go into more of those details as as um as they get tested out you know how the 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 designs um and the the strategy going into that how what's on the horizon for that uh i'll just wait till till i cross that bridge but for right now what i'm doing right now every day twice a day what i can do well it's cooling somewhat it's cooling enough just cool enough for me to use my body again and and i i don't know how many linear feet but i've put in hundreds of linear feet of swales already they need to be touched up they need to be um widened but uh for the most part so i put in i put in a pond that is um yeah i mean i could try to roughly calculate the number of gallons but um yeah probably uh probably between over a thousand gallons somewhere yeah somewhere between one and two thousand gallons i think which is very small (laughs) but uh the amount of excavation material that comes out of that and the the effort that goes into that it's very interesting like the <laughs> the idea of hand digging ponds as a, as a workout methodology uh it's definitely getting me to feel some muscles i never <laughs> no I've done, i mean i've done this before but what's interesting is like realizing really feeling into the ergonomics of starting out digging shallow and how that feels to toss that dirt and in this case sand um and then once you once you have to send that sand further and higher because you're digging deeper and farther um and the mound that is the lip of the uh the pond that's going around it um that's getting higher and you're wanting to arc that and design that so it doesn't just fall back in on itself so there's an interesting sort of um a beautiful pattern that uh goes into it and it's definitely it's interesting the way I have to pace 
the work of doing that <laughs> like start doing that earlier because it gets really tiring later but um yeah the 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 contours are revealing themselves and it's a beautiful process when you do earthworks to discover the land um and it kind of brings into full relief out almost like outlining almost like you're outlining silhouette or something um or you're creating it you're uh drawing the lines around objects that otherwise would have not been so distinct and um so it's really cool it's it's beautiful the art form and to really feel that like oh my intuition there's techniques that i will be using for longer more more dedicated i guess uh the swaling that i'm doing now it's on a small enough scale to where to where if 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 the ground that you started, if this, the top surface of the ground wasn't totally level at every point that on the on the swale line that you're marking out, say with flags, say you 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 um, you can use a water level or what's called an A-frame um, level, and uh, and you can you can perfectly within however within whatever interval you want i mean you could you could do it down to like the one square foot but i think often people are happy with a, a few feet whatever the, the, the span of the average uh, a-frame level is but uh you what you kind of split the difference if if you're if the surface level is off then when you dig the swale out maybe there maybe as long as the bottom of it is pretty level from one end to the other you may have some variation but as long as you're not having it fill once it fills up it's so skewed that it just doesn't even make it all the way to the other side <laughs> because it's a low point on one one end it's almost like um drooling out the side of your mouth you know what i mean like if if uh if you have it done correctly then water should spread evenly at the same height within the the ditch so if you get enough rain for that that swell ditch to fill up you know a foot a whole foot then you have a problem if it's only one inch on one end of it and 11 inches on the other for example um or it's spilling out one side and and it's not even not even getting all the way to the other side then then you got a problem and so you got you would you would you probably didn't didn't do the right amount of of um of level of leveling from the surface measuring the the contour line or the digging was was off so it's really interesting the way at with experience that you can kind of intuit and as a designer as an artist sort of feel and know intuitively what level is and um yeah so i'm feeling that out so I'm, I'm just moving along and trying to get the wireframe in place the proof of concept because it could start raining anytime in fact it has rained and when every time it does rain i'm thinking like oh is this going to be one of the few big ones and will i have done enough right now i mean i'll tell i'll say i've got between the earthworks and the rainwater catchment i'm at like 10 percent of where i want to be and uh and i will i will i, I will 
be pretty happy with myself if I'm able to get to 60% by by the time the rainy season is over. So, you know, I'm not saying, okay, I'll do 10% a year and I'll give it 10 years to be at 100%. No, I got to accelerate it faster than that. Um, but I can't, I don't, I'm not trying to break my back <laughs> worse than it already is. And I'm not trying to um, make hasty decisions with design and money and like buy a bunch of infrastructure that that doesn't prove itself out. So I'm in between you know, a moderate pace and a, and a, a brisk pace. But, uh, but the, the good part is the fun part is it feels good to be back in my body. It feels good, really good to be out there working the land, being in this land that I bought and basically spent six months, um, hiding in a shell <laughs> since I got it, not being able to do hardly anything. And now I can actually, stretch and flex and feel and be part of it and just enjoy it and know that this is how I'm going to be spending a lot of the rest of my life and this is uh the glory days you know the the early retirement glory days of retiring from working for the man and just beginning my my real career of intimately working with my own land that I didn't, you know, wasn't my family's land that I inherited. It's completely um, undeveloped and uh, and and rich in wildlife and rich in minerals, <laughs> but uh, very very poor in organic matter and uh, and the water just when it comes down hard it just flows right off of it but the but the beautiful thing is being able to read the landscape and knowing that um you know i can put a dent in 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 uh in <laughs> in that water uh storm water runoff i can really really um literally very beautifully design ways for that water to go through a maze of ecology that I design before it escapes. And um, most of it will have been put through many cycles of, of use. Um, and even though the sand, the soil is so sandy, it's going to just go right through it. That's where it gets very interesting with how you can mulch the soils and, um, and dig pits and do various types of design where you're just depending on the deep shaded uh organic matter holding the moisture from rains long enough to where seeds can germinate and then they can grow the deeper roots into the lower levels of moisture um further and further down and so that is the game that i'm in i'm gonna see <laughs> how much how much of a maze I can I can hand dig, and um, I'm not saying I'm never going to bring out bobcats and heavy equipment and whatnot, but uh, but I feel like there is a grace and there is a <laughs> there's <a>, you know <laughs> I like the idea of um, I really like the idea of being able to say this was done by hand. There's no grease and diesel spewing everywhere and there's no rubber tire tracks and like all the stuff that comes with that um you know i may change my mind i mean who knows there are there are re there are financial uh thresholds and 
and and shit at the fan scenario thresholds where I would say, okay, fuck it, this like this it was cute that you tried to do a bunch of earthworks by hand and you know you wanted to have that 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 honor um and that sort of uh you know that um that cred you know that uh that you did it by hand and but there there is a point at which i can i will have to say to myself um you know time is running out to really do the work on this land that is going to make thousands of years of of sustainability happen and um yeah i won't be i won't be sad about it i really it's really a matter of like i know who i want to be consulting with and i've already kind of reached out and established that mentorship i already have a a permaculture consulting you know uh um professional who i've worked with in the past and who's also a, a bit of a spiritual mentor and i'm super excited that we're 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 reconnecting and that um you know he will be the he will be the recipient of <laughs> of of major windfalls of capital that come through me by whatever means he's going to be definitely um you know the chief designer uh, of this site because why not always uh consult with your elders who have <laughs> millions of light years more experience doing what you want to be doing so if i can get him to eventually create the master design for this site and it says you know epic ponds here and full-size swales there and you know just call up your local uh heavy equipment uh rental company and and get it done in the weekend you know uh there is a point so for now having something in place is good for my soul hand digging this stuff and and uh you know with help you don't need those machines you know bill mollison is talking about uh working with outcast indian women and and digging swales by hand and how it's they dance the women in india they dance better than than the than the the bulldozers and and they do a better job a more a more more elegant job so um there's your uh yeah there there there's so much um there's so much to to read into that the idea of uh not just going to the machines first you know uh but they're they're an option and they're they're on the table but for now i will be thrilled to in this in this episode by sharing the 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 feeling the positive energy and the positive feeling that i have which is to be reconnected with my my manhood <laughs> being able to be upright again and actually in the land on the land doing the earthworks by hand and knowing that uh for all i know they could be overbuilt because there's no hardly any rain coming or they could be drastically underbuilt and they're all going to get washed away like a fucking sandcastle <laughs> uh, 
but that's that's uh, the fun part you know you, you just have to wait and see and so I've got my rain gear ready and hopefully the, the major rains happen when it's still warm enough and I can watch and count and measure and know you know what I can expect with my roof catchment um, so so yeah I guess in conclusion my strategy for capturing rain from above, rainwater catchment, funneling that into tanks. Um, the proof of concept is 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 built, and uh, and I'm gonna give it one major rain to do the math to know if I can if it's working well, and therefore what I got to do to scale out that system, and then for the uh, the dimension of the the water just um flowing the just the water as it goes seeps down the slope without the 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 uh the creek beds there's sort of like the um the gentle flowing of gravity by putting in these swales and swaling from literally one end of the property to the other at least on one axis as it, if you will um that's going to create that speed bump for the water. So at least I know, at least I will be able to sleep soundly knowing like, even if it's not the best swale on earth, it will have covered the, from one end to the other. And this will be one of many, many more, but at least the, the highest point to get a swale in from the highest point of the property to wherever it ends um, you never know because you're following the contour line and the contour lines aren't ever, they aren't, unfortunately, they aren't actually ever factored into the way they parcel properties because we're still in the squared, the squared off paradigm. Eventually properties will be sold based on their contour characteristics and lines and whatnot. But back to concluding and getting to the point, the, uh, that's the strategy to to slow down and sink and spread the 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 sort of more uh, general um, soft flow across the soft gravity flow across the, the the broad areas of the land, and then really keying into the resource of the the um, The dry creek bed, the flows that are going to come where they've 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 dug channels out, um, that are going to come in when there is flooding. Um, designing for those, that's where finding the low points, digging ponds, and uh, and having those ponds be able to overflow into swales and backflow to rehydrate a system, so you can get almost like two flushes and then that the the first flush may be relatively sterile versus the second flush which is a backflow from a pond where now you're doing what's called fertigation and the fertility of the living pond pulses back up through the uh the maze of swales in a in a system and then if that if that overflows, hopefully it does so gently in a way that you design and a way for that to, to flow back out to the next system of um, 
of mazes uh, further down the slope on your property or eventually to uh, <laughs> to another person's property or to the ocean or whatever. At the end, you will want to have extra- extracted as much nutrient as possible and um, and kept it on your on your property and certainly not be polluting anything downstream and having that be a design consideration as well an important one so trip trap uh feels like shoots and ladders uh ponds and swales and and uh sills and just playing that it's just the funnest thing you could ever imagine (laughs) more fun than chess and i had a lot of fun playing chess but uh but yeah even like even without heavy machinery i'm doing it by hand the scaling is is well it's it's just a fractal of the scaling so so yeah what i do right here i'm not going to come in and redo it with machines but i'm going to take the concept and i'm going to take it even further and scale it up even further on parts of the property further away where it's more this is in in the permaculture design i'm designing the zone one i'm doing earthworks to to capture the water at the high point of the property uh very early on slow it down run it and run it through uh run the sheet flow into a major one long major swell and run the uh the uh concentrated flows um into a pond and then have that gently backflow into a into a maze of earthworks surrounding gardens that are at a low point and then let the water continue on down from there and then yeah eventually there can be an acre there could be a, i could put in a two acre pond if i wanted to you know and, and fill it with bentonite and that would cost a lot of money um that i'm not trying to part with right away but uh those are things i'm gonna confer with my you know lead chief design consultant and if he says look you want to be prepared you want to do aquaculture you want to do it right and i've been to his sites and i've been in in and worked on ponds that he's built of that scale i mean acre size ponds and bigger and yeah i mean that'll be that'll be super fun and exciting to get to that point um but for now it's about just <laughs> just getting in the you know in the in the in the, the the zones closest to your dwelling that's where it really is this origami and it really is a much more intricate and much more more dense and human scale thing um it's not broad acre it's 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 a very very micro scale thing so smaller ponds smaller water features smaller swales etc etc because everything is human scale within reach that's your main garden now the bigger the bigger stuff that can that can happen further a little bit further away and at a bigger scale and, and involve the bigger machines and um and then that can also always be designed to tie into and to connect with the uh, the zone one in, in various different um, designer interactions. So, yeah, without opening up the permaculture designer's manual and starting from page one, I will say I think that about covers my yeah the state of the land, the state of the design, and uh, and really my my. <laughs> feeling so so much better about 
being a more whole person and feeling like so much was missing and taken away from me by this experiment of surviving the sun out here um and uh yeah it'll make me work smarter and harder and better appreciating it more than ever what i took for granted before which is the precious hours the precious months the precious opportunities to um to get shit done before you got to go back into like summer hibernation mode and 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 just uh be tending things and just barely trying to keep things alive and then once that breaks and the sun angle starts to shift and the days get a little shorter then um then it's time to time to rock and roll so that's what i'm doing and uh i will update more on the success and failures of these things as i move along and um yeah wish me luck cheers Oh,